Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome, everyone. So glad you're here. You know, we're working our way through Mary O'Malley's book, What's in the Way is the Way. And uh, if you remember last week, we talked a little bit about life as though it were being in a gracious meadow. Let me explain for just a minute. We did an actual meditation where, where hopefully I brought you to a place where you felt like everything was okay, a place where you were always supported, a place where you were always honored, a place where you felt the possibilities. I like to think of it as the meadow of infinite possibilities, full support, the graciousness of God at hand, nothing really to worry about. And I want to start today by amplifying that a little bit, because the question normally comes up, and it makes total sense. So if we're living in this idea of the meadow of possibilities. Does that mean that bad things don't happen? It's like, Larry, are you telling me that bad things don't happen to good people? Because uh, it's not my experience. So, so explain this in the context of the meadow. The meadow indeed does incorporate all of life. And so as we know from time to time, there are actual things that happen that are not pleasant to us, things that we would wish didn't happen. It, however, doesn't negate the idea of this being the field of possibilities. Bad things happen, but we don't need to make a tragedy out of it. Let me explain just a little more. Of course, there will always be things in our lives that don't go according to plan, right? Uh, one thing I know about us human beings is we're, we're planners. We, we have expectations. We want things to go a certain way. And in fact, I would suggest that that might even be one of the problems with being a human being is that we try to map out too much of our lives. We have too many expectations that may or may not be fulfilled. And when they're not fulfilled, of course, then we have those feelings of not enough or not doing enough or, or feelings of victimhood. The idea of the field of possibilities, though, is we observe things that happen that are not ideal. We're okay with the occasional blip. We're okay with the occasional thing that, that really doesn't go well. Even some of the things that we might think of as a tragedy, like the loss of a loved one, we're okay with it knowing that it is part of life. And we don't allow ourselves to ramp up in one of those emotional hurricanes. It's every, and I think I just coined a new thought, but does everyone know what I mean when I say an emotional hurricane? It's like one of those places where it's almost like a feedback loop in your head. Something upsets you, and then you start having thoughts about being upset, and then you start usually out of some kind of fear, fear that it might get worse or fear that it might happen to me or fear that more things will go wrong. Suddenly we're, we're doing pictures in our head of things going wrong and that, that amplifies then the fear, the emotions of dread or terror or whatever it is. And pretty soon we're actually almost causing physical harm to ourselves. 
I remember my mom when I was in high school. I was not always the good person that I am now. And, and I, I, I know it's hard to believe, but, but I remember coming home one night. I think it was after midnight. I was a teenager, and I, my, I think my curfew was 10, 10 p.m. And when I got home, my mother was literally sick. She had worried herself until she was physically sick. Now the reality was, I was fine, right? And so often our fears don't necessarily mimic reality. And that's that, that's that emotional hurricane. We can actually rev ourselves up to the point where we're ill. And in fact, many medical professionals these days will tell you that most of the illnesses that they're treating for are so-called lifestyle diseases, where we have actually created in our own mind the stress that brings about high blood pressure, the bad eating habits that bring about type to diabetes, a, a lot of the things that most Americans have ongoing treatments for are stress-related. It's from us winding ourselves up. And so before we get to the fear part, I know I'm saving the best for last. We'll talk about fear a little later. I'm going to get back. I want to get back to this idea of the meadow, though, because in the book, Mary O'Malley describes it with a couple of characteristics that maybe we're not used to thinking about. First of all, the meadow is always in the flow. Life is always flowing. It's always active. It's never static. One of the reasons we experience stress is when we get our lives organized in a way that there's no trouble going on, we want to lock it down. We do everything we can to make sure that things don't change. And when we do that, we are actually interrupting the flow of life. I don't know how to sugarcoat this, there will always be things that go wrong and you will be unable no matter what you do to prevent it. Even our own lives will eventually come to an end, right? Even the ultimate thing that some of us might fear, it's not like any activity on our part or any different way of thinking is going to keep us from moving on when, when our time comes. And the same with, with illnesses, the same thing with tragedies. Now and then they will happen to us. It is part of the flow of life. And so when we resist that flow, and in particular when we deny it, when, we, when we're uh, brought into a situation where we see things not going the way we want, you know, our urge is to deny it, to, to, to lock it out, to do whatever we can to avoid it. And that will produce probably more stress than the trouble itself. So, so think about life as always in flow. And when you can anticipate the flow, when you have a feeling for the flow, when you're living in the flow and not resisting, but rather influencing the flow, there is actually your sweet spot. It isn't to say you're helpless. It isn't to say that you don't have any choices. Of course you do. One of the, the greatest gifts that God has given us is our free will. But when we exercise our free will 
in the flow of life rather than trying to resist what's happening. Oh my gosh, that's when God is on our side. That's when God uses our own input along with the flow to create some of the most spectacular lives that can possibly exist. There is that sensing of, of, of what is happening and moving with it and, and amplifying it and making adjustments to it rather than locking it out. And so back to the meadow again, when a tragedy arises, we're not saying that, that this isn't happening. What we are saying is this is the meadow of infinite possibilities. And I have way more choices than what I think I do. I have the ability to influence, but not to stop. When I try to put on the brakes, oh my gosh. H have you ever experienced a time you're working on a project or trying to, I don't know, have a relationship with someone and it seemed like every attempt you made was thwarted? Right? It's almost as though someone had a playbook that says, oh, he's going to try this. <laughs> we'll take care of that. Oh, now he's going to try that. <laughs> Good luck with that, Larry. When that happens, it's because you're actually going against the flow. There's a natural progression of life. And when we are in a resistance to life, it takes us out of that meadow of possibilities. The other thing that I think is interesting about the meadow of possibilities is that it is expansive. And our fears that we have tend to ratchet us down to where it seems like everything is either one way or another way. That's the other thing I wanted to talk about. When you're afraid, the, the chemicals that rush through our bodies, they call it a fight or flight mechanism. Have you folks all heard that? You probably have. And so our body li literally is given two choices, basically. I'm going to run or I'm going to fight. And whenever you're afraid, it is that kind of uh, dualistic thinking, like I only have two choices here. And again, it takes you out of that meadow of infinite potential, right? It's making your world small again. It's as though I only can do one or two possible things. And I'll tell you a clue here. They're almost always things you have done before. When you're scared, you fall back on things almost, I mean, almost 100% of the time, you will fall back, even on a bad experience, but something that you have done before. Have any of you like serially dated the same person over and over again? They, they were like wearing different faces, but, <laughs> but, but there was something about them. And, and like later, as you've gotten to know them better, you're going, oh my God, it's just like so-and-so. And it was just like the so-and-so before that. Well, that is because we're tended to fall into patterns from the past. And in particular, when we're fearful, we will almost always do that totally ignoring the infinite possibilities, we will go with something that is familiar, even if the familiarity brings pain to us. It's setting ourselves up for failure. Now, back to these two concepts of the meadow, because I think they're going to help us actually move through these points of pain that we might experience in our lives. So expansiveness is one of them. 
What do I need to do to feel that I have more options? What can I do in this particular situation to see that I'm not alone, that I don't have to just fight or flee, that I actually have lots of choices? What would I do? What could I re how could I rethink this? Who could I reach out to? What could be done here to feel the expansiveness of life? When you think about the infinity that is God, every potential outcome that has ever existed exists in God, as part of God. The solution to every problem is right there. Anything that you could ever hope for, wish for, or, or if you're in a reactive mood, anything that could ever solve a problem or anything that could ever help you out, it exists in the mind of God. God is infinitely wise. That is within the meadow of potential if you allow it in, if you let go, <laughs> if you allow spirit to work through you and in you, suddenly what seemed like, well, I either have to run away or I have to fight, turns into a palette of options. The other thing that we talked about about the meadow is that it's in flow. One of the things, the great favors you can do to your life when you're feeling resistance is to say to yourself, wait a minute, what am I trying to lock down here? What am I trying to prevent from never changing? Is it the relationship that I wished would never change? Is it my job that I'm angry about because changes are being introduced into it? Is it a, an old friend that I don't feel necessarily so friendly about anymore that's causing me pain or anger or upset? Just the recognition that you're trying to lock something down that is not going to be contained. Life will not be contained. And when you try to set up a marriage so that there are never any changes in it, when you try to set up a job so there's never any changes to it, when you try to set up a relationship with your children so that they're always children for the rest of their lives in your own mind, how's that working for those of us with kids at home, right? It's like it is always changing. And change is healthy even when it's painful. So now I want to move into really confronting fear head on. All of us, every single day, have fears that come up in our mind. It's part of the human condition. Sometimes they're small fears. Sometimes it's, am I going to be late? And, and if I am, what will people think about me? Uh, sometimes it's a fearful conversation that you're feeling awkward and I'm not sure what to say. And sometimes they're big fears, right? The pandemic has brought about some serious fears around our, our health and well-being. And we may have even lost individuals. I'm sure there has been fear right in this room about what if I got sick? What if some of my family should die? Well, this is going to seem counterproductive, but the best way to get around fear is to go through fear. And so rather than trying to lock things out or down, the suggestion in the book, and I would share it with you, is we actually take a step forward we actually start talking about what we're afraid of. 
we take a step forward and we allow ourselves to feel the fear, but to not turn it into one of those cyclones of emotions that I talked about. Instead, we acknowledge it. Oh my God, Larry, I can see it right, right in your heart, right in your emotions. I can see that you're pretty scared about this. You're actually fearful to go to the supermarket right now. Remember the first part of the pandemic when we didn't quite know how it was spread very well? I still remember the first time after uh, Portland was kind of locked down a little bit that I went to the supermarket and I was like, uh, you know, I had brought my own <laughs> sanitary wipes with me and was cleaning everything down, vaguely wondering if the antiseptic was bad for the food even <laughs> and stuff like that. So when you feel that, you actually step forward into it. Yes, I am feeling this. It's painful. But then you ask yourself, is this pain, is this fear useful? Now in that situation, maybe it is, right? It's reminding me to wear my mask. It's reminding me to, to bring along some sanitary wipes. It's reminding me not to hang out with people for more than 15 minutes if I don't know whether they're healthy or not. But does it need to go beyond that? Here's where we interrupt that cyclone from happening. We look it right in the face and we say, okay, I've done what I need to do. Does fear actually help me anymore at this place? Or can I turn it over to God? Can I just let go of the fear? I've done what I need to do. I've done my thing in the world of being safe or taking the phone call or whatever it was that brought up the fear. Often there are actions that go with it. We, we have to do what we need to do. But then we ask ourselves, who would I be without this fear? I acknowledge it. I see where it's coming from, Larry. But, you know, bless you. You know, it's part of being human to be afraid. But is it time to just move through it? Is it time to be done with it for now? If it comes up again, we'll address it again. But do I need to live in that place of fear? Do I really want the elevated heart rate for the next two weeks over this? Do I want to have my blood pressure going up? I don't think so. Let us just counsel ourselves almost as though you would counsel a child about something they're afraid of. Did any of you have um, issues in your own bedroom when you were a kid, thinking that there was something under the bed or thinking there was something in the closet? And what did your mom or dad do? At least I hope they did. I mean, I, I know maybe some of us didn't have that loving of families, but I know my mom would come in and I would make her prove to me that the rain slicker on the back of my door didn't have anyone in it. Because <laughs> I was convinced when I was a kid. And it's weird, right? It's like, why didn't we put the rain slicker away before I went to bed? But I would go out and play, and my rain slicker would be on the back of my door. And when my door got closed, I'd wake up in the middle of the night, and I just knew, right? And so what did mom have to do? She just reassured me that my fear was certainly something that I was feeling, but it wasn't real. It wasn't useful. It wasn't something I had to be concerned of. And so what I'm asking you to do, and, and laugh if you'd like to, but I'm asking you to parent yourself a bit in a sweet and loving way. 
Yes, you had every reason to be afraid of that relationship. Yes, you had every reason to think that maybe there was some trouble going on here. You had every reason to be afraid that you might catch something and come to harm. And now the time is to move through that. We know how to take care of it. We know we can put the rain slicker in the closet. We know how to wash our hands while we're singing happy birthday. I don't, I don't actually need to worry about that anymore. I need to do what's appropriate. I need to keep myself safe. But I can let go of the worry. I can let go of the fear. I can just do what I need to do. And so that is how we bring ourselves back to the meadow of possibilities. It's not by backing away from what we're afraid of. And it's certainly not by denying that it exists. That's that attempt to lock things down again that never works out. Instead, we take a step forward. We acknowledge the fear. Larry, I'm so sorry. Here we are back again. I thought you had worked through those issues about your old boyfriend <laughs> or whatever it is, right? I thought we were done with that. But you don't have to let it wound you anymore. It's not something that needs to concern you. We just treat ourselves with the most love that we can muster as we look at the fear head on. Even talk to other people about it. I'm going to quickly relate a story where I did work through this with someone. So uh, towards the end of my mom's life, when it became apparent that she really couldn't live by herself anymore, I remember there was that one meeting where she and I were both scared. She was scared of losing her freedom. Uh, she was scared, well, maybe Larry's going to put me in the home. You know, maybe I won't be able to drive anymore. And I'm in that place of fear. You know, do I have to quit my job to take care of my mom? Are my finances going to be suitable for helping her? If she does need medical care, is there enough money to make sure that that gets taken care of, right? And what was interesting, first of all, we both wanted to lock everything down. We wanted things to be the way they had been for years and years and years. We wanted no changes. And in our initial struggle, we were trying to make things work out somehow without any changes. And what a nightmare and stress-filled situation that was. And the breakthrough came one day when we just talked about what we were both afraid of. And my mother assured me that most of what I was afraid of was total bullshit. And I reassured her that most of what she was afraid of was equally total bullshit. And suddenly, I know I'm not supposed to say that, but, but, it's, but it's like the truth. It's like the total truth of what we were imagining in our heads. And suddenly the field of possibility opened up again, and a million, million, million different options for moving through it together in dignity and love all opened up. And so when you face what you're afraid of and are willing to gently move through it, suddenly 
the universe is on your side. Suddenly the expansiveness of options is there. Suddenly the ability to see beyond black and white thinking, it's either this or it's this. I'm either going to run away or I'm going to lock it down. Suddenly you don't have control over what happens, but you have complete control over how you feel about it. And you have complete control over assessing a vast array of possibilities. Well, I want to close today uh, with a quote from the book and a prayer. So this is from the end of the third chapter in the book. And the little hitter here says, no need to be afraid. As you come close to your deep fears, in order to give them the attention they need, in order to let go of them, you will have moments when you feel the fear of taking one more step closer to your fear. Notice that when you take that step closer, it might feel heightened for a moment. And then she goes on to say, but remember, fear is really nothing to be afraid of. It's just a story in your head. And 99% of your fears have never come true. And she quotes Mark Twain here. It's a, a, a fun Mark Twain quote. Mark Twain supposedly said, I have been through some terrible things in my life, a few of which actually happened. <laughs> and then she goes on to say, you can discover how to bring accepting attention to fear. In fact, your fears have been waiting for you to be present with them your whole life. As you give fear the space to be, it can then pass through you, opening you again into the meadow of well-being within you. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness. There's, there's only this one thing, and this one thing is everything. I call it God. And what I know about God is it is here always to love, to support, to bring joy, to bring awareness and wisdom. God truly here is a loving companion. And as we allow our own fears to be put in their proper perspective, God rushes in with, with more ideas, more ways of being, more hope, more joy, more peace. And so as we let go of those fears, as we move through them rather than resisting them, suddenly the meadow of infinite possibilities opens up for us, allowing the good to be present, allowing the solutions to be seen, allowing the joy once again to peek out behind the shadows, allowing our own hearts, our own bodies, our own emotions, to be healed. And so in gratitude for this certainty, I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. 
To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.